Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. again everyone and welcome back to the front line with joe and joe joe Pasillo, as always joined by joe resinello and once more dear brothers and sisters let us go into the breach on the veritas catholic radio network 1350 on your am dial serving the new york metropolitan area please be sure to download the veritas catholic radio network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content not just the front line with joe and joe and please remember to follow the front line with joe and joe primarily on the Frontline TV on YouTube. We're really doing a great job of building that channel. We want to keep that going. We're other places, wherever you find us, you know, hit a like, subscribe, share, whatever it's, whatever is going to happen to, to help promote us a little bit, <clears throat> if, of course, you like what we do. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Jose Gonzalez. And we're going to be talking to Jose about his new podcast, Christ in the Classroom, offered by Sophia Institute for Teachers. And for those of you who are not familiar with Jose, uh, just as a quick bio, uh, he joined the team at Sophia Institute for Teachers in 2014 after more than 10 years as a Catholic high school teacher. In addition to teaching, Jose has experience working in parish and diocesan ministry. He has led over 300 workshops in over 50 dioceses and is the host of the new podcast, as I said, Christ in the Classroom, and contributes regularly to the teacher's guides and digital instructional resources at Sophia. He has a BA in theology with a concentration in religious education from Franciscan University in Steubenville and an MA in evangelization and catechesis from the Augustine Institute. Jose and his wife, Mary Beth, have four children. Jose Gonzalez, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thanks for having me. Great to be here this morning. Excellent. Jose, Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you. It's our custom to begin with a prayer uh, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O oh most no, gracious most Virgin gracious. Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. Amen. St. Dominic. Pray for us. Jose, Jose, I am super psyched about this conversation because I think it's very important, very, very important. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of uh, the topics at hand, let's talk a little bit about Sophia Institute for Teachers. Um, to be honest, I didn't even know it existed. Um, we do a lot of work with Sophia's publishing. Um, tell us a little bit about it and how did you get involved in it? So Sophia Institute for Teachers um, is a sister apostolate of Sophia Institute Press. We were founded in 2013 with a mission to provide practical and useful support to Catholic school teachers and catechists. And we wanted to do that through both curriculum, but also formation. Like we just really believe in, in, in forming the heart of the teacher um, to, to be more in love with Christ, to be better Catholic so that they can serve their students as, as effectively as, as they can. Uh, and so I uh, actually, the Holy Spirit completely got me involved with them. I got a, a almost a, I hate to, to use the word, but random email um, from my, my now, um, our now COO, who uh, is is not my current supervisor, um, back when I was still in the classroom, asking if I want if I would just chat with her on a phone call over a over a survey. She was surveying Catholic school teachers all over the country at the beginning, and so I responded to that email. And before I knew it, I was on an advisory council, uh, and then before I then a little bit after that, I was being offered a job, uh, asking me to to come on board uh, to lead their teacher training programs. And so um, it's it's sort of been a wild ride, uh, but it's been an amazing seven years, and and actually hard to believe that that it's already been seven years. And uh, when when we first started, I'd been I was in three dioceses. Prior 
primarily New York, Philadelphia, and um, uh, and Los Angeles. That was it. That's where I spent most of my time my first year. And then since then, we've just exploded to so many other dioceses. And it's it's been an amazing blessing. So, yeah. You know, awesome. it's needed. Because I'll tell you what, I've been involved in Catholic education, particularly uh, adult education for a number of years on the diocesan level. I've taught RCIA. I've taught pre-Cana. Um, you see how the Holy Spirit is 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 moving in in certain you know uh, I guess like programs and schools and and this is just one of them because it is so needed because sadly we've had decades of children that now are adults that in my view they don't know the faith and it's stuff like this that is going to I think bring a new springtime into the church and it's wonderful to see. Um, I've checked out a couple of your podcasts, particularly the one that caught my eye, because to be honest with you, it's what Joe and I uh, are deeply involved with in the culture. And it's teaching amidst the challenges of the culture. And in that podcast, you had two guests, uh, Deacon uh, Harold Burke Silver Sivers, who's very, very popular on the Catholic scene, as well as Chris Stefanik, who's been on our show. Um, in your view, and like, what do you think is the biggest obstacle faced by Catholic school teachers today in America? I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, and basically, how do we overcome it? Yeah, that's that is a loaded question that we could spend a whole the whole show talking about. But yeah, I guess to, to sort of I think the biggest challenges are one uh, you have is is just the culture that beats up their students right the, the the culture that they are fighting against they come into the classroom and they have one message and their students are being bombarded with a different one when they leave those four walls uh, and oftentimes that message is much louder and presented in a way that is deceivingly more appealing than what their teacher is offering them and so um that is a lot to compete. That's a lot to compete with um, between their phones and social media and just um, the stuff they're watching on TV or on YouTube or movies, whatever. Um, I would say that's one of the biggest struggles. Two, I think it really is uh, a culture where unfortunately, and I, and I, there are a lot of really well-intentioned parents. I was, as a teacher, I encountered a lot of really good ones, but unfortunately there are far too many that are dropping their kids off at a school building and expecting the school building to do their job for them. And so when you have, a, so then when you have students who are not only being um, given messages counter to what you're saying from the culture, but then also getting messages counter from what you're saying from the parent, it it becomes almost a it becomes almost a you want to throw your hands up and go okay I can't I can't do this uh, and so um, it really becomes an act of complete surrender to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus and saying Lord I got nothing I'm gonna do what I can but I'm gonna entrust this kid and this you know this to you because you truly realize um, the reality that. You're not their savior, you know, and I think that that's 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 probably um, for teachers whose hearts are really into wanting to preach the gospel to their students. That's a really tough place to be, um, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll you tell you this. That, okay, Joe, go please. No, no, just just, just a quick comment or, or question. Um, do you find? I mean, obviously, uh, God draws the greatest good out of out of the worst tragedies. So we see, like, with one of the results, I think. I think it was widely accepted that one of the results of COVID is that parents have gotten more involved yeah. in, what, in, in, in what their kids are learning. And this is a good thing. Right. There was nobody, you know, you know, it's unfortunate the, the, what happened with COVID, but parents decided to open letters that they might've thrown in the garbage and see maybe, yeah. you know, or, or, or ask their child, what did they, what they teach it today in school? And then they were appalled. Right. This, excuse me. What was that? It was, yeah. and, 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 and we saw recently, this is not a this is not a political question. This is a this is a this is part of the culture war and the spiritual battle. Those parents then realize, no, no, I I have to be more involved yeah. in in my child's yeah. education. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think that's definitely been one of the pluses from COVID is seeing parents more involved. Um, I think um, 
as Catholic, and I, and I think Catholic educators found ways to get parents more involved during COVID because they had no choice. And I think that was one of the things I said in one of the, one of the, um, virtual things that we did very early on. This was before the podcast, but we were running a virtual workshop. I, I told these teachers, I said, we as a church have always believed that parents are the primary educators of their children. And we as teachers simply are partners in that. We're assisting in that. But we have literally been given the opportunity on a silver platter to find ways to get the parents involved right now because they're literally over your kid's shoulder while you're teaching right now. They're at home with them, right? So um, what can we do? You know, because I think we have an opportunity here and, you know, God gives us opportunities in the midst of, like you said, difficult times. And I think that we can say that is a fruit and a glimmer of hope that we have seen from this. More and more parents are involved um, in their kids' education. Um and that that's been good to see. That's been I think that's been good to see. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello. Very pleased to be joined by Jose Gonzalez. And we're talking about Jose's new podcast, Christ in the Classroom, offered by Sophia Institute for Teachers. Joe Resinello, what do you got? I want to just make a comment on something you said, Jose, because you said, like, you know, clearly we're not the savior. Uh, Jesus is and we're just doing his work. But you know something? I'll tell you what. Uh, the seeds of baptism are always being sown. I mean, I'll just speak about Joe and myself. I went to Catholic school, Catholic high school. I was in detention more than you could possibly ever <laughs> imagine. Just so you know, I went to a Jesuit college. I was thrown out of my freshman dorm. Uh, and here I am today. So, right. I mean, like God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes what like when a kid, and I always see this sometimes, the kid that's doing the wrong thing, Fulton Sheen said that one time he was online for confession. You're from Illinois. He said some kid was acting up. He's like, that kid was me. Now he's going to become a saint. So, I mean, like, you never know, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. like, like with certain. Oh, amen. amen. And I, and I really encourage that all the time because of the teachers to recognize that no matter how difficult or or rough or even quote unquote hopeless it may seem you don't know what god is doing right now in the hearts of those kids um and it may seem like what you're doing is for naught but you might be surprised that 10 years later 15 years later you might get a note um you know i always talk about um i had a kid my first year who was a who who made my life impossible and then all of a sudden 10 years later as I'm getting ready to leave teaching, I get a note saying, hey, I hear you're leaving teaching. Bishop Carroll, which is where I taught, is losing one of the good ones. I just want you to know that I finally got confirmed. Um, and, and it was something you said in class all those years ago. And so just wanted to give you, you know, just wanted to, to affirm you in that. And I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, this came out of the blue. I barely had thought about this kid, you know, in that time. But, but I remember him being you know, a Royal pain. And here, here he is getting his, you know, getting confirmed. He's, you know, married as kids, they're raised they're you know, they're living their faith. And I'm going, there's no way. I mean, I, I wouldn't have pegged that happening when he was sitting in my classroom. Right. So um, that is the other side of the coin is to recognize that despite all the challenges that we have, if we are faithful, um, the Lord will bear fruit from that. I agree. Know? And I think that's I, important. I think that's I think that's to me you hit the nail on the head. You can't you can't have, expect that the children are going to go to any school if you're not living the example in your own home to the best of your ability. If you're not living what the way you're telling your children they ought to live, kids see that stuff. Kids are obviously like sponges. I, I you're the teacher, Jose, so you could tell me better. But always strike it strikes me the kids absorb a lot of things. We have to make sure we're we're and this is our responsibility. You said parents are the primary educators. Okay, but absolutely right. Primarily through our actions, you know how we're living our lives as as, as fathers and mothers. Okay, Amen. um, and and we can't expect to send a kid off. I mean, if, if you know, and and not be corrupted if we're not giving them a you know a, a, an absolutely um, a solid example at home. You know, and that's yeah. the responsibility of the parents. Yes, we're putting that on parents out there. Don't just blame the educator. Don't blame the education system. If you're not doing the right thing at home, don't be shocked at the outcome. Amen. Yeah. I mean, 
I know, I mean, I know families whose kids are in public school, but they're amazingly, you know, faithful Catholics in the home and their kids. Yes. They encounter things that you don't want to encounter, but they're not being traumatized by those things because of the way their parents are be setting the example at home. Right. So, um, it really, at the end of the day, um, you obviously want the best educational environment for your kid, but there are circumstances where you may not be able to homeschool. You may not be able to afford Catholic school. Public school is not going to destroy your child if you are doing what you need to at home, right? Like there's a lot that good parenting and positive example and sanctity in the home can counteract, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, very important. Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you. Family rosary, baby. It's all about the family rosary. Oh, amen. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you've seen because you're on the front line in Catholic schools. You've seen it and you're seeing it in, in the teachers that you encounter. And I could tell you what I have seen. Where I live, I live in the suburbs of New York City. Um, there are some very, very um, prestigious uh, Catholic high schools. Joe Pasillo went to one of them, Seton Hall Prep. There's uh, Don Bosco, Bergen Catholic. Not only do they churn out some very successful people, but their sports programs are second to none. They're ranked in the nation. Right. But what I have seen in these schools are parents send their kids to those schools because of one, the superior uh, academic standard, and two, um, the athletics, they're looking to form lawyers and doctors as opposed to saints. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want my kids obviously to do the best they can do and to achieve. uh, That's any parent reach their potential academically, but I want them to become a saint, which means they go to heaven. That's why I send my kids to Catholic school. Talk about that that dynamic because you're there and this is what I see, but I'm interested in what you think. So here's Overall, um, and I want to, uh, you know, be careful because there are some incredible schools that are Catholic schools across the country that are that are that are seeking that right. But as a whole, what has happened in our Catholic schools really is sort of tragic. What we have done is we've created um, public schools with Jesus sprinkled on top. Like we're not. Um, so many schools are not focused on Catholic identity. They're focused on, like you said, these prestigious things, like let's have an amazing sports system. Let's have amazing academics. Um, and that's going to come, that's going to come put Catholic identity second, right? Um, because we want to make sure we don't offend anybody because we need these high tuition dollars. We need these high rollers coming in with the money and, and, and it, and it, that's the sad thing that's happened in a lot of places. Um, I have um, now I will say this, what gives me a lot of hope is these teachers I encounter, so many of them are so well-intentioned and they're so hungry to create a Catholic atmosphere for their students, but they're fighting against other things in their buildings that are stifling that, which is, which is a shame. Um, I think Oftentimes we forget, like you said, the goal of Catholic education is to form disciples, to make saints. And somewhere along the lines in this country, we have made Catholic education about college prep, about prestige, about um, about forming successful worldly individuals and not about forming saints. Mm. And I don't know where or when that specifically happened. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with when there was unfortunately the the mass um, exodus of religious teaching in the schools. And all of a sudden you started having to hire a lot of lay people, which that in itself is not bad. It's but lay people are more expensive. And so, you know, bills went up. And so Catholic schools, in order to stay afloat, what did they do? We have to attract people with more money. And so then the money started speaking. Um, 
yeah, I think it, it is it is a conundrum. Um, I know that there are more and more Catholic schools starting to recognize that, though. Um, and what's an interesting thing is, you know, I'm sure you've experienced it out there. All over the country, Catholic schools over the last several years have been closing because they can't keep their doors open. Right. But I'll tell you one thing. You know what? Catholic schools have not closed their doors. Catholic schools that are faithful. The, the biggest predictor of a Catholic school these days staying open or closing its doors has nothing to do with money. I mean, yes, it is, but that's the secondary thing because what's driving the money, the money at the schools that are actually Catholic and being faithful to their mission as a Catholic school, the Lord keeps those schools open. The money keeps coming in because you know what? They're offering what they're actually advertising. A Catholic school that says it's Catholic and that's and its goal is not making saints and disciples, that's false advertising. You're offering a product you're not actually giving. Right. And so eventually you're those schools are going to shut down eventually. Like they're not going to be able to sustain themselves because they're or or they're they're going to be so far gone from a Catholic perspective. Parents are going to walk in and go, why am I paying ten thousand dollars a year? Bingo. Essentially a public education. Bingo. There's no, no, there's no need for it. And the shame of it is Jose Gonzalez joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe discussing Christ in the classroom, uh, his new podcast. The shame of it is we can boast. Now we're not supposed to boast. We know that. Okay. But as a church, okay, right. we can look at the, we can look at world history. We can look at the history of, of let's say Western civilization and say that Catholic education has been the standard in Western civilization. Amen. Okay. Yes. Not just churning out successful people, but saints, as you said, and people that moved the world. Okay. One only needs to think of a, a, a Thomas Aquinas. Okay. Um, and many, many others. Why would we abandon that? What on earth would compel those running Catholic institu educational institutions to abandon what we had and what we established for the world? Because I don't care what I don't care what uh, movement you belong to, what religion you belong to. Catholic education, Catholic education has been the standard in Western civilization, and that's a pretty high standard. We need to get back to it, Jose. I love your thoughts Amen. on that. Amen. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, and I think one of the biggest issues is that the the problem is is we're not forming our educators and our, our, our educators and administrators through a Catholic lens, through no fault of their own, many of them are obviously going to state schools and getting state education degrees, right? So then they come in to the public school and how, uh, to the Catholic school and how are they going to, you know, what's going to be their philosophy of, of education and administration is going to be influenced by a secular model. And because they weren't formed in a Catholic model of education because they went to state so-and-so school, right? Um, and so now, obviously, I'm not blaming the teacher for that. And, and many of those programs might be good. But then what do we need to do as Catholic dioceses? We need to start creating then supplemental certificate courses to form our ed administrators and our educators in, okay, great. You have credentials from a public university. Those are good. We're going to accept those here. However, you also, if you want to teach here or be an administrator here, you need to go through the certificate program that's going to that's going to show you how to take that and apply all those credentials you got with a Catholic mindset. It's going to form you in the Catholic tradition of Catholic education. Because if if you don't do that, then you're going to have public school administrators running Catholic schools in a public school way. And that, you know, and, and it's like you said, why would you pay 10 on the high school level? Why would you pay 10, 15 G's a year for that? You, you, you touched on something I want to expand on. Uh, some schools make their administrators and their teachers sign uh, basically an oath of loyalty to the church. Talk about that because again, this is, a private school. If I'm the administrator and you're the teacher, you will teach Catholic doctrine. And if you don't, you are gone. That's how it works in my profession. I work on Wall Street. I don't do what my boss tells me to do. Bye-bye, Joe. See ya. Yeah. That's how it should be. Uh, agreed, a hundred percent. And those, those, oh, those should be signed. We had a morality clause at the high school I taught at. 
Um, and that's the way it should be. Um, because I, it always blows my mind when, you know, these things, and we've seen several cases over the last few years, you know, hit social media or the media. So-and-so teacher was fired from a Catholic school because they came out gay. And you're like, well, yeah. Why, why, why are, why is this news? Like, that's not in line with church teaching. Like you can't be in there teaching a kid because if you're living that lifestyle, right? So, um, or any lifestyle, like so-and-so got, you know, let go because they, um, you know, they were cohabitating, boyfriend, with cohabitating with their boyfriend or girlfriend. And it's like, no, like this shouldn't be news. This is a Catholic school. These are the parameters. You don't like it. There's another school that's a public school down the street will take you like, right? So I, I think that's something that's so important. Um, that was something that Franciscan did with regard to their board. We'll get into that later. Lay people on board. Sometimes you talked about money talks and money starts to talk and influence. But speaking yeah. of money, and I want to talk about this because what's happening in, in American parochial schools is it's only for people who have money. I mean, uh, and I want to expand on that a little bit because years ago, they were religious and they didn't, you didn't have to pay them and they did things, you know, they were, they taught. Um, I mean, my dad was a barber and my mother was a secretary and I got to go to a Catholic school and a Jesuit college. Joe's father was a teamster and sent his one brother to Yale and sent his other sister. She has a PhD in philosophy and they all went to Catholic school. That doesn't happen anymore. It's impossible. Right. So, so yeah, talk about that because it shouldn't just be for rich people. You know, like what about the poor people or people who are just working? So I a hundred percent, agree catholic education and the documents state should be accessible to all catholics um now i don't know if you know this uh i i live in the diocese of wichita uh we have a very unique situation here we're in this diocese we are a stewardship diocese and so if you if you're giving your eight to ten percent you get you get no tuition you get tuition free catholic school our catholic schools are no tuition for any Catholic that is oh, sitting wow. and giving and, and, and tithing, right? That's part of the, it's part of the deal here. Uh, it's a stewardship model. Now I'm not going to say it's perfect um, because, and really we, we've had our struggles, um, but at the end of the day, it really is an amazing model um, because there are, there are kids who, who would never be able to afford Catholic school anywhere else. Um, I have met now, um, I just met another family. I think it's the third family who specifically moved from the, the city and state they were living in and moved to Wichita in order to give their kids Catholic education because it was because right here you don't you don't. Have That's to. amazing because yeah, to is. be honest with you here in New Jersey, taxes are off the chart and I got five kids all under seven, three of which are in Catholic school as we speak. I live in a box and right. basically all my money, not that I'm a rich guy, but me and my <laughs> wife on paper make a couple of bucks, but we don't see it. <laughs> it goes right. right out the door. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, it's tough. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, I know it's a hard model, but obviously you, you sit and you go, okay, if it can work here, why, why can't it work across the country? Well, I mean, obviously it takes a lot of educating because in order for it to work, here's the reality. You have to evangelize people to the spirituality of tithing and stewardship, right? Because they really push, um, push not just money, but time and talent as well. Like the parents here are very involved. Everybody's super involved in their parishes and the schools. Uh, and, and the reality is, is, uh, you have to get everybody on board because in order for this to work, it means I'm tithing before my kids go to school and I keep tithing after they leave school. Amen. Right? And so that's how it works is that, you know, that the 80 year old grandmother that's in mass every day is actually contributing to your kid's education by, by the, by the check she writes every week. And it would strike me, Jose, we're going to have to take a break, but it would strike me that that's what Catholics ought to be doing not just worrying about educating their own kids, which of course is their primary responsibility, okay? However, then like you said, but then following that through, helping your fellow Catholics, 
And if you're doing it through tithing and you know that other kids are going to be able to get a quality education and not have to pay through the nose, okay, um, then do it, man. Then right. do it. That's that's part of what we're called to do as Catholics. Let's take a quick break. You're at the you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Rosinello, having a great conversation with Jose Gonzalez, and we're talking about education in America, particularly Christ in the Classroom, which is uh, Jose's new podcast offered by Sophia Institute for Teachers. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We have another segment for you with Jose Gonzalez. We'll be right back. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Then, at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We are in the breach. When you're talking about education in America, particularly Catholic education in America, you're in the breach, man. And we're in the breach today with uh, Jose Gonzalez. We're discussing his new podcast, Christ in the Classroom, offered by Sophia Institute for Teachers. Joe Resinello, I'm handing it over to you. I want to talk a little bit more about what you guys are doing in Wichita, because I didn't know this, and I think this is a great idea. You see... You guys are circling the wagons. You see what's happening in the public school. And that bishop is saying, listen, we have to do something. Our people are getting hurt. Public education is crazy right now. They're teaching LGBT issues. I mean, they're teaching transgenderism. You have an adult sitting across a desk telling a kid who's seven that he should transition into a girl's body. I mean, this is what is happening in America. And it's not, it's in every school district rich and poor alike your bishop gets it we have to do that as a catholic people i live near orthodox jews they get it they do it they circle up they live in the world they're not of the world catholic dioceses have to see the problem and attack it talk about that approach of circling up circling the wagons taking care of our own because if we don't no one's going to they're going to get thrown to the wolves yeah um, and, and I tell you, people are feeling it. We were at a, we were at a, a at a workshop, um, recently and, uh, we were, it was on theology of the body. And one of the teachers got up and asked, because we kept talking about, you know, the issues and saying, and encouraging them saying the teachers, they are on the front lines doing this and we thank them for it or whatever. And one of the teachers got up and said, you keep saying we're on the front lines, but front lines means implies that there's somebody behind us who has our back. And he's like, I don't feel like anyone's got my back. And that, wow, that like, that hurt my heart. Right now, granted, in the reality of it, I was like, who's got your back? Jesus has got your back. And you have a whole legion of angels that have your back, right? That's the reality. But that's harder to see. And when you feel like you're sitting in the church, you're sitting in a Catholic school trying to teach against the culture, and you don't feel that support from your administration, from your bishop, from et cetera, like that's painful. That's hard. And so if we as a church don't recognize that we have all these Catholic school teachers literally on the front lines and feeling like there's no one behind them that they got that has their back, you're right. We're going to crumble. We have to circle the wagons. Um, and I think uh, – that's a lot of what we're trying to do. Honestly, like what our workshops, what our podcast do is trying to provide avenues for these teachers to circle the wagons and particularly our in-person workshops for teachers to like meet each other. Okay. You've got, here's other faithful teachers, like collaborate together, share ideas, like help each other out. Um, 
And some dioceses are doing it better than others, right? Some dioceses, you know, things are moving despite the culture. There's a lot, there's a lot of hope out there, right? I wanna, I wanna say that right now. Like in my work, one of the one of the biggest blessings is when I go to a diocese and I have a room of 50 or 60 teachers that are all on the same page. They get it. They're there to be fed. And you can see that them, their schools, their principals, they are fighting the good fight and they love these kids and they're taking their ministry seriously. Um, And there's a lot of that going on despite all the craziness, right? And so I think Catholics are starting to circle the wagons. They are. They're recognizing the need for it, um, not just in Wichita. I know that I use that as an example, and and, and it's great that we have that that model here. Um, but but I'm seeing a lot of good movement happening, um, and and that's hard to see sometimes. It's hard to you know because because for every like you know piece of good news and piece of hope, there's five pieces of oh my gosh, you know, um, but, but that's how the Lord works, right? He's that mm-hmm. small little light and he makes these little lights appear. Um, and eventually the world will be set on fire. It will. I think, uh, I, I think it, it's important that you mention that there is hope because one of the things is this, look, uh, you've offered some solutions today, Jose, and what you're doing is a solution to the problem. Simply just getting the word out there. Parents, you have recourse. There, there are, there's, there's a lot of hope out there. There's a lot of opportunities to get your kids educated properly. That's one thing we. Have. I'm glad you mentioned, because we can. I'm guilty of it. I'm not. I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. We can become a bit despondent. Oh, Lord, where are you? How are we allowing this to happen? No. He's allowing it to happen for a reason, but perhaps it's because guys like you step up, okay, and are offering solutions to these problems. Guys like Joe and I get on a podcast, whether it's a thousand people or 50,000 people or a million people hearing us telling people, listen, there's hope out there. I think that's the most important thing to emphasize to people. Like you said, sometimes in the, in the, in time and space, okay, uh, nobody seems to have our back, but in reality, we have the king of the universe has our back. And we have to remember that so we could keep marching forward in this culture war, in this spiritual battle. Amen. We have to remember victory's already been won. Jesus already took care of it. Like, we know we know the end result. We just have to keep on keeping on and make sure we stay on the on the right team when it all comes to an end, right? That's um, right. That's the reality. Um, it, it's real easy to lose, lose sight of that, like you said, in the midst of, of, of the culture. But, yeah, I mean— that's where our hope lies. It's Christ already. He won the victory. Amen. So, yeah. Yeah. And we just need to do about, our part. I want to Go talk ahead, about, you talked about like, you know, sending a message that the culture is pushing back upon. One of those messages, I mean, we could talk about so many, is chastity. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, the culture does not promote chastity. Um, and I think what happens with a lot of these kids is they go to Catholic school, they're still pretty young, and then they go to Catholic college, and then it's a free-for-all. Like, in all honesty, this is Catholic colleges. It's in all colleges, but it's in Catholic colleges, um, a free-for-all. And basically, how do you instill? I think of all the messages to talk to a young person, that's a tough one. How do you go about basically teaching that and having people actually like listen so um that is a hard one i will say this i one i want to recommend i we just recorded an episode and it just dropped this last week um with um with christopher west um on an introduction to theology of the body uh, which which is much more than chastity and and i say that a lot in that episode but one of the things that he talks about, which really sort of got me kind of refired up with this topic, is we often present our kids with, he uses the term a, uh, a fast food version of theology and chastity, which is just like, don't eat, white knuckle it, and we, we don't talk about the glorious banquet that is human sexuality that is like that, that that what the church offers us in in an attractive and beautiful way right and so when we don't do that and we just say don't do this the world is going to offer them a fast food diet version of 
of human sexuality. And that's going to look attractive and they're going to go for it because the way that we're presenting it as a church sounds like a prudish. Um, I think, unfortunately, what has happened is because of the Puritan um you know, culture that that sort of kind of founded this country that sort of seeped its influence into like long term Catholicism. And so oftentimes the way that we as Catholics talk about sex, talk about chastity, we talk about it in a very Protestant Puritan way and not in a Catholic through a Catholic lens. Right. And so what has happened then is our kids aren't like don't find that message attractive because we don't get excited and don't paint it in a beautiful picture. Um, and, and the reality is, is it is a beautiful picture. Like God made sex. God wants sex to be good. How is sex going to be good? When you live, when you like treat it the way God created it, right? God created it and meant for it to be between a man and a woman in marriage. And when you look at the statistics, who is the most satisfied sexually? It's committed married couples, right? Like statistically, that is, those are the people most satisfied sexually in our culture. And so we don't present chastity in that way. We often talk about abstinence and we're like, don't do it, don't do it, don't, 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 because it's bad and you're going to get an STD. <sighs> okay. Like you don't want to get out of wedlock, do you? And so the way we present chastity oftentimes is not as a virtue not as something beautiful, not as something that's going to lead to holiness, not as something that you're waiting, um, you know, participating in God's grand design for you. It's abstinence. It's just don't do it. And then eventually it's like, well, what happens? What happens on Good Friday when I have fasted all day? I wait till midnight so I can go eat a cheeseburger because I'm not used to fasting and I'm just looking at this as, as a fasting thing, right? Chastity is not about fasting, but that's often how we present it. And so kids are going to, I can't take it anymore. Right. And that's, that's the, what I think makes that message um, so hard is we're not teaching chastity. We're teaching abstinence. And when we do abstinence is not, that's not the full Catholic message or the full Catholic picture. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, that that's the thing. And, it, and along the lines of the full picture, Jose Gonzalez joining Joe and I at the front line with Joe and Joe talking about Christ in the classroom Jose's new podcast. Um, I would also just add one thing. If we, pre if we do our jobs with our kids and present <clears throat> sexuality, we interviewed Chris um, and, and I didn't know a lot about um, theology, of the body. Okay. In my mind, it was basically, um, you know, kind of like, ah, don't do that type thing. All right. Um, and I was wrong. Not that I lived that way for 20 years of my life, but you understand we're all, yeah, on, yeah. we're all on a journey, but I think on the one hand, we, we should be uh, presenting, let's say, the proper view of sexuality as taught by the Catholic Church, okay? Um, and at the same time, we also should be showing our kids, too, the disastrous consequences of doing the opposite. Yes. You know, it's like the it's like the old thing, you know, don't touch the stove, Junior. Don't touch the stove. He goes to touch it, he gets burned, okay? We want to prevent them from getting burned. We could, we could demonstrate how not just spiritually empty the sexually liberated lifestyle is, but also how you could put your, you're literally putting your future and your entire life in danger. If you fall into that lifestyle, particularly at a young age, I'd love for you to comment on that. Yeah. I, I think the consequences are important. Um, and I think we need to, we need to show that a hundred percent. But I think also our approach to Catholic um teaching and Catholic theology, the theology doesn't change, but our approach, the pastoral approach, right? In today's culture, how are kids going to respond? Are they going to respond to the don't, 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 or you're going to get burnt? Or are they going to respond to like, if you like, instead of don't do this instead, so that you can experience this, this, and this, like in, in a good way, right? So um, like somebody a good friend once said, like, when you're teaching the Ten Commandments, think of them like this, right? Instead of thou shalt not, think about if you love me, you will. If you love me, you will not, you will, you know, you will keep holy the Lord's day. If you love me, you will honor your father and mother, right? Slightly different spin, same concept. But if we approach things through the lens of love, through the lens of relationship with a God who is 
passionately in love with us. Like that is so much more attractive. And it's also, it's, it's getting the same point across, right? But I think we as teachers, because of the culture, have to find different ways and different lenses of presenting things to win some of these kids over. Because the old approach of don't, 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 you're going to get burned isn't working anymore, right? So we, we, I'm not saying we don't mention the getting burned. I'm just saying we got to harp on that a little less and we got to harp more on like how great your life's going to be if you don't get burned, right? Um, Amen. I got you. I think yeah. that's a very good approach. And I think it leads into something that you've uh, already taught on Sophia Institute uh, for teachers. And for those who are listening to us on Veritas Catholic Network, you should check that out. You did a podcast with Jackie and Bobby Angel of Word on Fire um, about discernment and marriage. Now let's talk about marriage. You're talking about obviously doing things God's way from a sexual perspective. That's being open to life, no contraception. Now, yeah. Catholics, let's let's not even talk about the world. Catholics, I know Catholics. My whole neighborhood's Italian people, Irish people, and Polish people. We're Catholic, right? But they bought into the contraceptive mentality. To be open to life means to be open to selflessness. Yes. You see, people don't know what marriage is. They don't even know what love is. Love is the most misused word I've ever heard in my life. But that has to be taught. First of all, it has to be shown. In the home. That's the first thing. Second thing, if you want your kids to live the right way, you got to do it in the home. And that is something I think leads from chastity before marriage into understanding what marriage is and our Catholic schools teaching it. Talk a little bit about that, Jose. Yeah. So I think these two ideas connect nicely because, you know, that's the thing is um, this is where where chastity becomes not just the don't touch the stove, but like w- the promises of it, right? Because marriage is not magic pixie dust. If I'm not living chastity and I'm not striving for holiness before I get married, it's not like, oh, I say I do and oop, it's magical and now I'm virtuous and never going to cheat on my spouse and never going to do these things, right? Um, it, there's a there's a level of, of virtue and preparedness we need to bring into the sacrament, right? Um and then once we're in the sacrament, we realize I used to tell people I I really thought that I had my, um, you know, I spent, you know, six years of my teaching career single, not knowing my wife, and I just poured my life out into the school. And I just really thought, oh, I have grown. I, I you know, before I got married, I really thought to myself, hey, I've really grown. I'm like, I am. I, I've really learned how to not be selfish. Like I've just, I, I've got this, you know, I've got this down. I'm ready for this challenge. And then, and then your kid pukes and, on you at three. And well, forget it. <laughs> right before the kid, you're going just you and the wife. You're like, Oh, I didn't realize how selfish I was. Okay. Time to reset that button. And then you think, Oh, I've got this down. I'm really a selfless spouse. And then your kid comes and you're like, <laughs> Oh boy, was I wrong, right? Like now I'm now time to reset the button again. And it's like, and then you have another kid and you're like, oh, time to reset the button again. And it's like with every kid, with every trial, you realize marriage is a vocation because it's meant to take you to heaven and to purify you, right? So um, I love my wife. And we have a great time together, but she also like, she, she keeps me in check and she purifies me and it's iron sharpens iron, right? That's the, that's the reality of what marriage is. Marriage is, is about getting to heaven and getting to heaven requires purification and your spouse is there to help purify you. And so vice versa, like we both drive each other nuts in the, in a good way. Like both my wife and I are constantly calling each other to holiness. And that is, um, that's just not the culture's view of what marriage is about, right? Not even close. Jose, Jose you said there. so many important things there. I just smile in the whole way because it's I, so I was right. Say, it, it, it is, it, it's so right. 
And I, I think it's important to, to emphasize to people like Jose, Joe and I at the front line with Joe and Joe, one of the things we say all the time is if you, if, and this goes for Catholics and everybody else. Okay. See, it's one good, one good thing about being Catholic is we back up our arguments. Okay. Whether it's using, you know, history or statistics, we back up our arguments. When you look at um, the proper view of marriage, okay, the proper view of sexuality, when you look at the idea of self-sacrificing where your marriage is based on love, as Joe said, the most misused word in, in especially in the last hundred years or so is the word love, but self-sacrificing Christian love, starting in the home, man to a woman, woman to a man. If you look at it that way, you're going to have a successful marriage, Okay. Um, you're going to not, you're not going to even think about getting divorced. Okay. You're going to have kids. All right. Um, and the opposite of that is that those who have the contraceptive mentality who base their marriage on sex, which as Joe points out all the time is not an act of giving. That's a selfish taking act. Okay. The, the divorce rate amongst people that do that is way over 50% amongst Catholics too. That's yeah. what we have to emphasize to people is like, remember, Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. Okay. Don't sow bad seeds. Okay. Don't, don't get married based on sex. My father used to tell me, and this was way before I started practicing the faith again. My father used to say, find, find a woman you're going to love, because if you think it's going to be all about sex, well, guess what? By the time you're 40 and she's 40, that, you know, you know, you're not going to look at it the same way. And then you're going to wonder what you're doing married. And he was right about that. Right. Yeah. I used to tell my students in class, I used to say, um, marriage is a vocation, just like priesthood is a vocation. Marriage is not just something you you do because you don't think you want to be a priest or a sister, right? It's equally a vocation, right? It's a calling from God, right? So one, you got to discern, like, is God actually genuinely calling me to marriage or the priesthood or religious life? So like, in like, as teachers, we have to help students navigate that, like, ask Jesus what he wants of your life, right? In what way do, does he want you to serve? So it's a vocation, one, right? Two, I used to tell them, pray, start praying for your future spouse now. Like, ask the Lord, like, pray for your future spouse every night. Say three Hail Marys for them before you go to bed. And whether that future spouse is going to be the church or your or or your wife or your your husband or Jesus is going to be right, like, you know, depending on who your spouse, whoever your spouse is going to be, start praying for your spouse now. Um, because so often we like desperate, like our kids just want to want to settle or they, they have this fantasy of what things are going to look like. And if we don't give them the tools and we don't give them Jesus to navigate and find that, like they're going to, they could really potentially end up in a disastrous marriage. Right. Well, they, um, they, they get lost. I mean, people right. get lost. I, I think here's the good news when you, and I learned this by doing things the wrong way, but I learned it young after college 22. Um, when you do things God's way, even though it can be hard it brings joy and peace. It works. It works. You see, this is the, and, and that's where the home comes in. Kids have to see that. I can remember at 16, seeing my parents, I'm like, they are so darn boring. My gosh, they're so boring. They go to bed at nine and they just, they don't, they were married 52 years. My parents were devoted to one another. They sacrificed for their children. They did things the right way. People, this works. And key people have to see it, not just from the person talking in the classroom or the priest. They have to see it in the home. I don't think, Jose, people believe it. I'm going to be honest with you because yeah. I have a lot of types of friends. They don't believe it. They're like, you, you're crazy. Yeah, but I think that's the struggle is, is people have lost sight of what – how God works. Um, they've lost sight of what marriage really is because we've, we have so few examples of good faithful marriage, you know, and our kids more and more are coming from homes where they don't have that example. Um, you know, it, it, it's so funny, like you said, God's plan, right? I, I went to Franciscan university of student bill and, and, and kids are like ready to get married on graduation day there. Right. They're like, go to the school, find their spouse and go. I mean, 
I was almost 30 when I got married. I had a ton of friends married right away. Um, and at, at the time I was, I was like, Lord, where the heck is my spouse? Why, why can't I find anybody? Right. Um, I mean, a lot of my friends have kids that are getting ready to start their freshman year of college. And my, my oldest is my oldest is nine. Right. So I, I of, of my friends, I, I was on the later end of getting married, almost 30. And I'll tell you what though, like hindsight's like the Lord knew what he was doing. I wasn't ready to get married. Maybe they were ready to be married at 22, but I sure as heck wasn't. Right. And, um, and so I see God's hand in that and I see, okay, I did this the Lord's way and the Lord's plan for me was also individualized, right? There's the Lord's, the Lord's way in general that everyone's called to follow, but then the Lord has individual paths for each of us. And, and we have to discern two things. We have to, we have to one, do what the Lord desires of everybody, but then we have to like, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, we can't then determine and follow the individual path he has for us, right? And so we have to teach our kids. How do we teach our kids that this is a vocation, that this is discernment? We got to teach them to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if we're not doing that, then who cares how many doctrines and commandments and X, Y, and Z that they know or can spout or don't spout, right? Um, And I think that's where a lot of like the energy of Catholic educators needs to be is helping their students encounter the person of Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him so that they, they ask him sincerely, Lord, what do you want for me personally? And they're open and willing to do whatever it is he lays before them. I couldn't agree with you more because to be honest with you, you're talking about like surrender, (laughs) And that that surrender, you know, and that to God and that's not you could be the smartest person in the world. You can know every encyclical. You can know the catechism left and right. That doesn't mean that you've surrendered your life to God. Not even. And that is, again, what I think we have to get back to basics as a church. Are we teaching our kids to go to confession? Are we putting them in front of the Eucharist? Are we praying the rosary? These are ways that their eyes get open. Are they encountering authentic, alive, joyful people who are Catholic? This is how they say, wow, what was I missing? What am I missing? I'm clearly missing something because I'm not like that guy. And I want to be. Jose, we have about two minutes left, brother. We want to just get to a couple things, and we want to give you time to let our audience know where to find you, your podcast, and any any place, anything you want them to know. But I would ask this in closing. Like I said, we have about two and a half, it's about two and a half minutes. Uh, Where do you see the future of Catholic education going? Um, Are we headed for a revival, uh, classic liberal arts education that made, as we said earlier, our education standards second to none? Do you see a revival? Oh, I do. I do, especially in in, in classical education. That's where I see it headed. Um, That's where I see if if you want um, to keep your doors open, that's where it's going to head. Um, And and some places, and I'm talking some places, it might take 50 years to get there, but, I think if 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 um, for Catholic education to survive the culture, it's going to move classical, and you're seeing that happen more and more. More and more places are opening classical schools, and they're thriving. Like those classical schools are have you know twice the demand that the traditional Catholic school does, or the 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 more um, secular modeled education Catholic school has. And so, yeah, I, that's where I see things going. I could be wrong. Um, but then I also do even see a revival within the regular Catholic school, the non-classical schools coming and happening because more and more teachers are waking up to the reality of what's going on in the culture. And they're going, we got to get ahead of this. Right. So, well, I, yeah. What, and, and very, uh, and briefly tell our audience for those of, that don't know that might have college age or about to be college age kids what's the newman list and why should catholic parents look look very closely at the newman list so the newman list spells out the catholic colleges that are 
faithful to the magisterium. They're the ones that are going to have professors that have the oath of fidelity. Uh, they're going to be faithful to the church's teachings. They're going to, they're schools that are striving to have Catholic identity. Um, awesome. Because yeah, unfortunately you have colleges that are Catholic in name only, just like there's also grade schools and high schools that are Catholic in name only. So and finally, <laughs> and finally, Jose, just let our audience know at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic network, where they could find you, the, the podcast, any, any resources, uh, Great. Yes. So Sophia Institute for Teachers.org. That's Sophia Institute for Teachers.org. Check us out, please. We have lots of free resources there, lots of monthly e-lessons that you can you can get. Check out our list too. We have we're doing a lot of in-person events coming up. Check us out if we're going to be in a diocese near you. Uh, and then also um on that page, you can access it, Sophia Institute for Teachers.org slash Christ in the Classroom. Um, you'll find all of our uh, podcasts streaming there. You can also find us on Apple iTunes or um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all, all the major podcast platforms. Um, please check us out. Give us a listen. Give us a like. Give us a, a, a subscription. Uh, we'd love to have you check out. We have a, a whole we have a, a season and a half now. Uh, we have two more episodes launching in the next couple of weeks. And, um, and then we'll take a break before Christmas. But, um, but yeah, so lots, we've got about, oh, almost 30 episodes that will, that will be up for listening um, here awesome. soon. Thank yeah. you so much, Jose Gonzalez, for coming on the front line with Joe and Joe. And we want to thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And remember to follow Joe and I wherever you find us on social media. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.